الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا ونبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ومن تبعهم بإحسان لا يوم الدين أما بعد فعن أبي عبد الله نعمان بن بشير رضي الله عنه قال سمعت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول إن الحلال بين والحرام بين إن الحلال بين وإن الحرام بين وبينهما أمور مشتبهات لا يعلمهن كثير من الناس فمن اتقى الشبهات فقد استبرأ لدينه وعرضه ومن وقع في الشبهات وقع في الحرام كالراعي يرعى حول الحما يوشك أن يرتع فيه ألا وإن لكل ملك حما ألا وإن حما الله محارمه ألا وإن في الجسد مضغة إذا صلحت صلح الجسد كله وإذا فسدت فسد الجسد كله ألا وهي القلب رواه البخاري ومسلم الحمد لله we're continuing with the 40 hadith that is compiled by Imam al-Nawawi rahimahullah ta'ala regarding the fundamental principles of Islam and every single one of these ahadith as we mentioned previously uh, is a fundamental concept is a fundamental principle is a rule to live by that if we look at this particular hadith any particular hadith in the 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawawi you can say is like a backbone it's a pillar uh, and the previous one was hadith number five we're in hadith number six now and the summary of this hadith is uh, scrupulousness and cautiousness in deen scrupulousness and being cautious in regards to one's deen allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the life of this world has made certain things permissible and made certain things impermissible allah mentions in the illa allah ta'ala everything which allah has made per, per, uh, permitted allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says the reason a lot of people say oh why did allah make this haram why do we have to wear hijab why do we can't why can't we eat pork right so this is a question that i think many people it comes to their mind and they ask but it's a very very simple answer that Allah has mentioned it in the Quran Allah says Azza wa Jal that Uhillat lakumut tayyibat Uhillat lakumut tayyibat that the pure and the goodly things has been made halal for you wa yuharrimu alaykumul khaba'ith very simple this is not a uh, a complicated matter this is not a uh, philosophical matter it's a very straightforward matter Allah Azza wa Jal has made the pure things lawful and Allah Ta'ala has made that filthy the dirty the immodest things unlawful I always say it like this I've said it a hundred times but if you look at the word haram haram drop the a drop the second a what's left Haram, H-A-R-A-M I'm talking about in English Haram, drop the second A Harm In the commentary of Arba'een al-Nawawiyah of Mullah Ali Qari 
he mentions that everything that is prohibited it has illatun khafiya aw illatun jaliya illatun wadiha aw illatun la yadriha nas ma ma hiya limadha what's the reason but he says definitely in that thing which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prohibited whether our minds can conceptualize the reason and the illa or not and obviously this is a very interesting bahath regarding you know halil ahkam am la so we know that this is a a, a, a more of a uh, a principle-based debate between the Ashairah and the Maturidiyah that the Ashairah say that there is no reason that is needed for any cause for something to be haram it can be the cause can be Allah said so and we say that and we do not go into the wisdom or to the illa or to the reason or what's the cause or what's the effect and this is like this and now every single thing you have to find a specific illa and you're going to be going and researching that oh well I don't see any cause in this why did Allah make this haram the maturidiyah on the other hand they said and that is why the ahnaf in their fiqh they take this particular thing because ahnaf are maturidi in their in their theology and also in it it, it it carries on in their usul a fiqh as well do you understand my point so the same concept that we have in theology in the theological kalam debates it carries on to our usul al-fiqh and then it affects the furu as well right the subsidiary issues you understand so um the Asha'ira are of this opinion and again these are not differences these are these are uh, philosophical more theological debates that there's no you can't say is a right or wrong this is just uh, from perspective and, and viewpoint and opinion it's good to know like what's the background in some of these things Maulana Qasim Nanotwi Rahmatullah his manhaj in the explanation of ahkam was that he would not accept that any hukum of Allah Azza wa Jal was without an illa he would not accept this fact he says hakimi la yakhlu anil and the only reason hakimi la yakhlu anil means the action of a wise man and the command of a wise man is not void of wisdom when someone who is a wise person does something for example this this desk is here so I take this desk and I put it to the side I move it out of the way so now somebody says now there's a debate oh there's no reason why he put the desk by the wall there's no reason whereas the not knowing the reason doesn't mean that there's not a reason behind it the reason is that this might get in the way of someone somebody might trip over it somebody might get hurt somebody might kick it with his foot and they might become injured so I moved it uh, to the side of the wall so somebody does not get hurt now the fact that we do not know a reason does that mean that the actions or the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't have a reason 
So Mawlana Qasim Nanotwi Rahmatullah in his reasoning, in his usul, in the way that he, hatta to such an extent that he wrote a risala by the, by the name of Simtul Qibla or Samtul Qibla. And in Samtul Qibla, he discusses that the fact that we face the direction of the Qibla, the reason why the Qibla is where it is, and even the distance of the Qibla from the various different cities of the world, all of this has an illa. It is not, you know, with the, I mean, it, it's a very interesting risala. But in the, that whole, uh, uh, one of the uh, articles that I read in that, this was one of the things that Hazrat Mawlana Yaqub Nanotwi rahmatullahi said about Hazrat Shaykh Mawlana Qasim Nanotwi, that he, his mind was just, his mind was just programmed in that way to see the ilal. And that is why you have to understand that the, that the fikr of Qasim Nanotwi was Shah Waliullahi fikr. Shah Waliullah wrote the Hujjatullah al-Baligha. The Hujjatullah al-Baligha, which is a magnum opus, an amazing book. We remember we, you, you had actually you had that book. Um, it was written to prove Islam to non-Muslims through reason. Because if a person doesn't believe in the divinity, that this Quran is from God. If a person doesn't believe that Muhammad is a messenger, I don't believe that the Quran, they say, for example, they say, I don't believe that the Quran is the word of God, prove it to me. I don't believe that Islam is a true religion, prove it to me. So, Shawaliullah, in his book, Hujatullah al-Baligha, he proved things from a philosophical perspective. He proved the ahkam and the commandments from the philosophical perspective, from the perspective of ilal, from the perspective of nafs, from the perspective of psychology, from the perspective of sociology, right? Hurmatul zina, for example. What's the reason why zina has been prohibited? The necessity or the, the obligation of fasting. Why was fasting uh, made obligatory? Mentioning the physical reasons behind it. Mentioning the psychological reasons, the spiritual, all of these things were discussed in Hujjatullah al-Baligha. The spokesperson who actually, you can say, the proponent of the teachings of Hazrat Shah Waliullah, Muhaddis Dehlawi, was Malana Qasim Nanotwi, the founder of Darun Deoban. That's why in many of his debates, he has famous debates with Jesuit Christians, with Hindus, with many other religions, and this was his objective that to prove the deen, to prove the deen through reason. You understand? So that's besides the point. We were discussing how everything that is halal and everything that is haram, it has an illa. The illa of it is as Allah Azza wa mentions, what's the ayat afsab? Is that the ayah? Al-yawma uhilla lakum al-tayyibat. Right? Right. So this, this al-yawma uhilla lakum al-tayyibat. On this day, perhaps it was Hajjatul um, Wida, this, this verse must have been revealed. That on this day, all the, pure and per, all the pure and the wholesome things have been made lawful for you. That's the illa that the pure and the wholesome, Allah will not prohibit that. Whatever 
is whatever is pure and wholesome and pak and clean, this is halal. And What's the first part of that? That's where the verse ends? No, but the, the beginning of that was something and then Ah, very, this is يَسْأَلُونَكَ مَاذَا أُحِلَّ لَهُمْ Allah mentions the illa. They ask of you, O Muhammad, what is permissible for them? They ask of you, O Muhammad, what is permissible for them? قُلْ أُحِلَّ لَكُمُ الطَّيِّبَاتِ Tell them the pure things, the lawful things. In other words, that which is clean and that which is lawful and that which is pure and wholesome, this is not something that will ever be prohibited. And then in another verse where you harimu alaykum al khaba'ith, Allah made haram upon you that which is khabis, that which is dirty, that which is filthy, that which is unclean. You understand? So in regards to this, the Prophet وسلم, in this hadith, let's read this. Halal is clear cut. Haram is clear-cut. Halal is very clear. What is halal? Water and milk and fruits and vegetables. And all of these things that we, we know in the world, this is very, very clear. There is no debate about those things. And that which is haram is clear-cut. There's no debate about it. Alcohol and pork and filthy, dirty things, everybody knows that this is haram. وَبَيْنَهُمَا أُمُورٌ مُشْتَبِهَاتٌ لَا يَعْلَمُهُنَّ كَثِيرٌ مِّنَ النَّاسِ And then there's a third category. The third category is أُمُورٌ مُشْتَبِهَاتٌ They are matters that are doubtful. They are matters that are doubtful. لَا يَعْلَمُهُنَّ كَثِيرٌ مِّنَ النَّاسِ This is something that a lot of people just don't know. Is it, you know, halal? Is it haram? Some scholars say one thing, another scholar says something else. So the Prophet ﷺ gave us a way out of this. Nowadays, we're also always faced by things that, you know, we say this. One scholar is saying one thing, another scholar is saying something else. What do we do? So here, the Messenger of Allah ﷺ, look at the, uh, the solution that the Prophet gave to this. He already knew about this. Halal is clear-cut, haram is clear-cut, nobody debates about that. But there are certain, we call the gray area. In that gray area, there's confusion. The general public, they don't know the details. Right? And a lot of times we fall into discussion, we fall into debate, we, fall, you know, we fight about these matters, we get into arguments about these matters that are what? That are the gray area. So the Prophet ﷺ has already told us how to avoid that. What should we do? He says, so the one who stays away from the doubtful matters. The one who stays away from the doubtful matters. He is somebody who has protected and preserved his deen and his honor. 
And the one who falls into shubuhat, the one who falls into the gray area, he will eventually fall into the haram as well. An example of this is we know that what is haram and what is, what is halal. There's something, for example, t- tobacco. Tobacco is a widely debated matter. Cigarettes, tobacco. <coughs> Some people say it's haram, another person says makruh tahrimi, another person says makruh tanzihi, another says, says something else, and you know, it's a matter of Sometimes, you know, you get into this thing. What's, what is it about having a smoke shop? I always get this question. Sheikh, is it okay, is it halal to open up a smoke shop? Because look, why does tobacco fall into mushtabihat? Why does it fall into doubtful matters? Because look, you take it, it doesn't intoxicate you. And anything that we do know about the harms of tobacco and cigarettes, it's all due to modern science that they know that they've connected with it, that certain cancers and these type of things come about with it. These are matters that, in regards to Sharia, right, Sharia is looking at this immediate effect, that there's an immediate effect that causes intoxication, right? It fogs your judgment, and it causes you to hurt yourself or hurt someone else, and so on and so forth. That immediate, like, halal or haram of it is not found therein. It falls in the category of this mushtabihat, it falls in the doubtful. So now what should a Muslim do regarding these type of things that are tobacco, cigarettes, or other issues that might fall into the category of what we consider the gray area, the doubtful? The Prophet ﷺ gives a very clear answer for this as well. Very clear. What is that? shubuhat. The one who stays away from this particular thing. He has preserved his deen and he has preserved his honor. He's preserved his deen because you're not taking chances that what if that particular thing is haram? Now what you've done is you are accumulating sin by being involved in that. What if you opened up a job, you opened up a smoke shop, you opened up a a cigarette factory or something? Now you're accumulating haram. Your wealth is haram just in case if if it was haram. You fall into damaging your deen. You fall into accumulating haram. You see what I'm saying? And if it's a matter that in the, you know, in the case of you know, these uh, uh, you know, getting involved in uh, smoking or cigarettes or these type of things, when a person has now avoided it, right, he's preserved his honor as well. How you, when you stay away from something like that, which is doubtful, scholars are debate, some say it's permissible, some say it's completely haram. The one who stays away as the Prophet shubuhat, the one who avoids these doubtful things that falls in the gray area, then he preserves his deen, Yani from damaging your, your religion and your honor. 
What is the meaning of honor? The meaning of honor is imagine, right? I'm go, I go outside and I'm smoking a cigarette. What would people think about me? I'm walking outside and I'm smoking a cigarette and everybody's looking at me and then I say, brother, some scholars have given fatwa that it's okay. What have I done? Even though it falls into that gray area, some scholars have said it's okay. Some may have permitted it. Classical scholars did. I think now modern scholars, I think they're pretty much in a consensus that la darara wa la dirar. Yani, this falls in a category of, you know, hurma because the, the, the harm is definite. But I'm saying there were more 18th century scholars. I mean, there would be mashayikh of Azhar that they would be smoking cigarettes. I mean, it was very normal. The mashayikh of Azhar in the 18th centuries, I'm talking about that. I mean, it was very normal for them. It was like coffee or tea. Their research had not reached that level to say that it was at that level of darar. But now, as an army, someone is looking at a sheikh. Somebody's looking at an imam. And now he's, you know, uh, smoking a cigarette. What has he done to his honor? He's damaged his honor. He's damaged his reputation. To fall into something, which is what? Falling into something which is a doubtful matter. You understand what I'm saying? So this is very, very clear. An example of this, there's one cup of water, you know that there is no poison in it. I know that this cup of water, there's no poison. And I have another cup of water, I know that there's definitely some poison in it. And then there's a third cup of water right in the middle, there might be some poison and there might not be. Which one will you choose? Without a doubt, without a doubt, you will choose the one that for sure you know that there's no cyanide in it. For sure you know that there is no poison in it. And then the foolish person would be the one who say, well, maybe there isn't, maybe there isn't. You know, I'll take my chances. Some scholars gave fatwa that it could be okay. What would you say? Man, you, you're pretty brave. You're pretty brave playing around with your life like that. My dear brothers and sisters, if we would look at our deen like this, that that which is haram and forbidden, it is like poison. That we would not play around with doubtful matters. We would not fall into the, into the shubuhat. Consider it that this, we know that this, without a doubt there is, nothing in it. This one we know for a doubt that there is something in it. And there's one in between that we're not really sure. We will stay away from those two, the doubtful one, and the one that we are sure that there is some haram in it, and we will take the one and we have no iota of shak or doubt. And this goes to another hadith which I think is also from the Arba'in Imam al-Nawawi, da'ma yaribuka ila ma la yaribuk. What a beautiful usul and what a beautiful advice from our beloved Prophet sallallahu Leave that which puts doubt in your heart for that which puts no doubt in your heart. Leave that which has doubt in it for that which does not have any doubt in it. And then the Prophet mentions something that is inevitable. He mentions the inevitable. What's the inevitable? The inevitable is, listen, when you're going to play around with the gray area, then know that there's something's going to happen. And what is that? 
ومن وقع في الشبهات وقع في الحرام فمن وقع في الشبهات وقع في الحرام the one who falls into doubtful matters we're going to put something in brackets here بين القوسين the one who falls into doubtful matters will eventually eventually he will fall into the haram and why is that is because the shubuhat is the gateway to all the haram matters and what a beautiful now example of this somebody will say well how how am i going to fall into the haram i'm not doing haram i'm doing this you know An interesting thing that I saw, uh, I, was at the, I was at the store, and you know, it just brought to my mind, how is it that when you are in shubuhat, you fall into haram? I was in one of the, in the aisles, uh, in the luckies, so right next to that aisle was alcohol section. So I just looked to the side, right at the edge of the alcohol section, there was playing cards and dice. There was playing cards. You know, you could play this simple game, like card game, and dice and dominoes. All three is, right, is permissible. But I, it, at that moment, it just clicked to me like how certain things are interconnected with something else. Do you see what I'm saying? Cigarettes and alcohol always go together. They're like, you know, brother and sister, cigarettes and alcohol. So here we can see that there are certain what they call sister actions, sister sins, right? That gambling goes with alcohol. Cigarettes go with alcohol. I mean, there could be people who strictly avoid the other things, but they are, they are, they are intercorrelated. They are connected. They are like of the same family. You see what I'm saying? And a person can play cards without gambling. A person can play cards without smoking and alcohol, without a doubt. Kids can do that at home. It's not, a, it's not haram. But I'm just, that, that just clicked something in my mind that how these things are, how they are, can become gateways to other actions. And this is what the Prophet ﷺ is telling us, that always beware and be careful. Because the one who stays away from the doubtful matters, he has preserved his deen, he has preserved his, his honor. Then the Prophet gives a very beautiful example. Like a shepherd who grazes his sheep at the edge of the boundary, at the edge of what you call uh, the territory or the property of the king. Every king has, you can say, like his boundary, his territory. So now what this shepherd does is he's taking his flock and he's going right at the edge where the boundary of the king begins or the boundary of the neighbor begins. Most likely that sheep is going to graze and graze and graze and graze and graze until he passes that boundary and goes into the side which is trespassing. He falls into the side which is trespassing. You see?
Like the shepherd who takes his grazing his sheep on the edge of the boundary, he will eventually fall into the area of trespassing. He will fall into the forbidden area. Verily, the Prophet said, every king has an area which is sacred, which is what you call no man's land. You're not supposed to go there. Every king has that forbidden thing. You're not supposed to go there. That area is forbidden. That area is out of bounds. No man's land. The forbidden, no trespassing land of Allah Azza wa Jal is the things that He has forbidden. This is the no man's land. This is the prohibited, no trespassing area of Allah Azza wa Jal. That which Allah has made haram. So therefore, what we have to understand is we see the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam with this level of taqwa that he would be walking with Sayyidina Hussain radiallahu anhu and Sayyidina Hussain, he would see a date that was on the ground, he would pick it up and you know, he was like a six, seven year old boy, he would put it in his mouth, the Prophet would say, kikh, kikh, and he would put his finger in the mouth of the boy and take the date out. Why? It's because of this concept that this particular thing could be shubha. It could be from the sadaqat or zakat that you know, people have collected and now that zakat is going to be distributed to the poor. It may have fell out of that stack and that one date was from the mal of zakat. The Prophet would teach his children that Ahlul Bayt and the family of the Prophet they do not take the mal of zakat. And out of khawf or out of fear that it could possibly be what? It could possibly be something that is not permissible. He would uh, advise him strictly to stay away from it. It's something that you, a natural disposition would not feel inclined to eat something like that. For example, um, this is a whole different discussion. Uh, lizard, Baba, Bab, it's desert lizard. One time the Prophet وسلم, they had cooked some food in one of the battles. I believe it was in the battle of Khaybar or one of the battles. So they had these big pots and they were cooking something. So they brought some meat and they put it in front of the Prophet and the Prophet stretched his hand to it to eat it. They said, Ya Rasulullah, you never ask what this is. You always ask what, is it, what it is and then you eat it. But this time you didn't ask. He said, oh, I was hungry this time. He, what is it? He said, this is bub. This is desert lizards. That we've cooked it. Oh, then the Prophet he took his hand back and he said, I do not say it's haram, but it is not from the food that I eat. Yeah. This is another example. It falls in the category of shubuhat. It does fall. Shrimp, 
does fall in the category of the shubuhat because some of the Hanafi scholars have strictly forbidden it because they say it falls in the category of khaba'ith. But again, it's a matter, now it's a whole debated matter amongst the scholars. It's better if a person were to leave it, he leaves it, and if they want to follow the scholars who say that it's permissible, then you have the fatwa that they say is permissible. I don't think it's a, uh, a matter like smoking or you know, drinking or anything like that. But again, it's one of those categories that does fall into doubtful matters because there's a difference of opinion about that. Exactly what the Prophet said. Nobody knows the reason why is there a difference of opinion about shrimp. And if I were to open up, it's a long discussion. Right? It's, not, it's not something to like, go into right now. But the point is that makruh taba' what he was saying, or makruh tanzihi, another word for that is tanzihi. Lizard in the Hanafi madhab is makruh tanzihi. In other words, if a person, he wants to avoid it, they avoid it. But if he were to eat it, it's permissible for him. It's permissible to eat desert lizard. Halal. They asked, Ya Rasulullah, do you prohibit this? Should we avoid this? Is it haram? He said, no. But it is not of the food that I would eat. So then Khalid bin Walid said, Ya Rasulullah, then give it to me. And he ate the whole thing. <laughs> he was a mujahid. They're hungry. And they had a lot of those lizards in the desert. Still, some people, they hunt those lizards and they eat them and it's, it's a delicacy. Anyways, um, we were in another matter. We were discussing another matter which falls in the category of that there is something it might be permissible yeah, so then there's, a, there's another matter we should be very careful about. And that is, <coughs> one time, there was a group of Sahaba traveling with Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu And they came uh, uh, over a pool or a pond of water. And there's no signs of impurity. And none of the awsaf of that water had changed. The taste, the color, the smell of the water, it was clean, it was pure. So what apparently they saw, there was no hyenas or you know, animals close by that were drinking from it. It looked like a very clean and pure body of water. And the Sahaba came and they went to go make wudu from it. When one person said, Ya Amirul Mu'mineen, right? What if an animal drank from it? What if an animal drank from this? So Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu said that we are not mukallaf, we are not... Uh, uh, we are not responsible for what we have not seen. What we see is that the vahir of this water, the taste, the color, the smell of it has not been affected. It's clean and it's pure and there is no najasa, neither in the smell nor in the color or anything of that. And we are mukallaf of the zahir. Now, we don't need to make this doubtful, especially in a situation that we are in. So, teaching us what? That when there is no reason for making something haram, don't follow this and say, it's better to avoid something. When there is no illa, there is no reason. The Sahaba kiram radiallahu anhum, they would make wudu, and they would walk with their bare feet from the, masjid, from the place where they would make wudu to the masjid. Because there was no apparent defilement or feces or urine or something like that in that area. For example, a person, uh, you know, 
goes to a, a specific uh, place on the earth and there is no effect of any urine or feces and he wants to pray on the grass and it's not a place where there's impurity, there's not a place where the dogs are walking or anything like that and it's a clean land, you don't need to say, oh no, no, you, you can't pray there. There's no reason why I wouldn't pray there. There has to be an illa and a reason. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, this, no, this does not give us a reason to say, okay, this is doubtful. There has to be a reason for the doubt. There has to be a proof for the doubt. Otherwise, when a person is going to be following, you know, doubt without proof, then they are going to fall into waswasa. And this is dangerous. This is dangerous. Do you understand what I'm saying? Where something, in actuality, there is no proof of it being impure. There is no proof of it being haram. And now, out of waswasa, you're saying, no, 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 it's better to avoid it. Why are you going to avoid something permissible? Why are you going to avoid something in which there's no doubt in it? And there's no reason that you're putting any doubt. So we learn from this example of Sayyidina Umar that when there's no zahiri illat, there's no external reason for something to be impure or for something to be haram, you don't make amal on shak. And this is the usul and principle of deen. Al-yaqeenu la yazulu bil-shak. That certainty cannot be, certainty cannot be made void with a doubt. I'll give you another example of this. Otherwise, people are going to start taking this hadith and saying, oh, but there's doubt, that doubt. It's better that you, know, you don't. If a person remembered that I made wudu for Maghrib, right now we pray Maghrib. I remember making wudu. That is yaqeen. That is certainty. I remember making wudu. This is certainty. But I think maybe I passed gas I'm not sure, did I? I felt something, but I'm not sure. But I do remember that Maghrib, I prayed with a fresh wudu. Now, what do I do for Isha? We know this principle. Al-yaqeenu la yazulu bil-shak. The yaqeen, the certainty that I have, that I made wudu, does not become void by a doubt that came in my mind that maybe my wudu break. And I'm, you know iffy about it. I, no, I don't think, yeah, maybe. I'm sure that I made wudu, but I'm not sure that I break my wudu. So you will act upon what you are sure, and you will leave that which you are not sure about. You leave the doubt, and you hold on to the yaqeen. Go to the positive or negative? To positive. You go to the positive, that I did wudu. And the negative is, I'm not sure. I may have broke, broken my wudu. So that is certainty, and this is doubt. And doubt cannot make void your certainty. And like this in everything. Like this in all various different matters that we have. Okay? Min fawaid al hadith. And then the last part of the hadith, absolutely, the very important part of the hadith. Ala wa inna fil jasadi mudghatan. Verily, in the body, there is a piece of flesh. When that piece of flesh becomes good, then the whole body is good. When that piece of flesh becomes upright and healthy, then the whole body is healthy. And when the, that piece of flesh becomes corrupt and unhealthy, then the whole body becomes corrupt and unhealthy. That piece of flesh is the heart. Why did the Prophet ﷺ end with this? 
because the realization of halal and haram, the concern for halal and haram comes with a sound heart. If a person in their heart there is corruption, they don't care about the halal. They don't care. When you become corrupt from your heart, you will take bribery, you will lie, you will cheat, you will eat whatever comes your way because the heart has become corrupt. That is why more important than anything else, the, the means by which we distinguish permissible and impermissible is the heart. That is why in another hadith, the Prophet ﷺ said, in a specific matter, you don't know what to do, istafti qalbak. You see how this hadith ends? So beautiful. The Prophet is talking about halal, and he's talking about haram, and he's talking about avoiding that which is doubtful. Why would you do that? Because you have a sound heart. Why would you do that? Because you don't want to displease Allah. Why would you do that? Because you don't, you're not corrupt. You want to do the right thing. That only can come from here. And if you're corrupt, you don't care about halal and haram. The moment somebody's looking the other direction, you're going to go the other that. You're going to go for the haram. So the Prophet ﷺ said, Istafti qalbak. Ask your heart, even if all the muftis give you the fatwa. Istafti qalbak, walaw iftak al muftun. Even if all the muftis give you the fatwa, ask the heart. Because when the heart is sound, when the heart is rectified, when the heart is not corrupted, when the heart is healthy, the heart will always look for the pleasure of Allah. The heart will always look for the halal. The heart will not be looking for corruption. The heart will not be looking for destruction. Subhanallah. hadith. From the fawaid and the benefits of this hadith is that there are three matters in Islam. There's halal, there's haram, and there's doubtful. The halal we know. And the haram we know. And the doubtful, always try to avoid that to the best of your ability. Another uh, faida in this hadith is that the one who continuously falls into doubtful matters, slowly, slowly, this will eventually drag them into haram things. You understand? People, watch, people like to watch a lot of shows. You watch this show, you watch that show, you watch this uh, uh, thing and you watch that thing and eventually it'll make a person, his eyes are going to roam and fall into things that are, you know, completely not permissible. It goes into things that are sexual uh, content, impermissible content, you know, content that we would not, you know, it's not appropriate for a Muslim. So when we, you're, you're on the border, it's eventually, you know, going to fall on that side. And in this hadith, we also learned that the Prophet ﷺ used examples, right? The Prophet ﷺ used the example of the king and his territory and how the shepherd, when he flock, brings his flock near the, that area, then what happens? You will fall into grazing in the trespassing area, right? And then the Prophet ﷺ ended with this, that المدار في الصلاح والفساد على القلب ويمني على هذه الفائدة أنه يجب على الإنسان الإناية بقلبه دائما وأبدا A person should constantly be concerned with rectification of the heart when we say why is a person eating haram? Why does a person take bribe? Why does a person cheat? Why does a person take riba? 
Why? 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 What is it? It's the heart. It's nothing else. It's not in the brain. It's not in the uh, in any other matter. It's that the heart has become corrupted. The heart has become greedy. The heart has become ghafil. The heart has become heedless. The heart has become careless. The iman has become weak. It starts in the heart. And everything else follows after that. Haram and halal and the concern of that has to do with the iman and with the heart. وَمِنْ فَوَائِدِ الْحَدِيثِ أَنَّ فَسَادَ الظَّاهِرِ دَلِيلٌ عَلَى فَسَادِ الْبَاطِنِ From this hadith we learn that the external fasad and corruption that we see is because the people's hearts are corrupted. Why is it that there's corruption? Why is it that there's theft and there's robbery, there's killing? It's because the hearts have become misguided, the hearts have become destroyed. May Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq to understand what has been said. Wa akhiru da'wana. Alhamdulillah. Rabbil Alameen. Subhanakallah. Alhamdulillah. 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 Alhamdulillah.